If you turn with me to Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, not Chronicles in the New Testament. There, Second Corinthians, chapter four. Second Corinthians, chapter four. We'll read two different passages in this chapter. We'll start at verse number eight, and we'll read down to verse number eleven. And then we'll pick back up again on verse number 15 and read down through verse 18. And we'll have you read the odd verses and I'll read the even verses. And we won't go there. But uh, verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 8, read down to verse number 11. Then pick up again verse number 15 through 18. Ready? Begin. Um, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord, just for the scripture that you wrote to us, Lord. I know, um, Lord, we've learned so many principles, um, Lord, that help us to understand you better. And would you just use tonight, Lord, help us to pay attention, help us to learn something, another aspect, another area of your life that we can learn and glean from. We ask that you bless tonight, be with our pastor, fill him with your spirit and your power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. There are times in life where it seems to be one problem, one tragedy, one burden, one heartache, after another. Uh, I say this regularly. I know some may not believe it, but hardly a seven-day period goes by where I don't get news of a death. Seriously. And I mean years in a row. Uh, just uh, there's this last week, Ellen Moore's sister passed away. The viewing will be Tuesday and the funeral on Wednesday. Of course, we did Brother Wiley's dad's memorial service yesterday. Just a couple of weeks ago, Miss Kim, her uh, nephew, on a Thursday night was uh, riding and lost control, hit a tree, killed himself accidentally, of course. The very next day, his brother, a 39-year-old man, was at a gas station in Greensboro, North Carolina, filling up with gas, and there was a drive-by shooting, jumped in his car, and the gas pump and his car caught on fire and burned up and killed him. Two funerals from the same family. It doesn't stop. Uh, just a week or two, a couple weeks ago, a former member of our church driving truck, family uh, driving northbound on 81, and he was coming south, or I'm not sure which way it went, but uh, family pulling a trailer and blew it out a tire. They went across the median, hit his tractor trailer, and four killed in uh, the, the family. The whole family was killed and the truck driver. 
just, and I could go on and on. That's just a few of the things. Uh, there are times where hard times come in bunches. I was once told that life comes in waves. They didn't tell me it was tsunamis. Uh, now, in my experience and things in my own life of helping literally hundreds of thousands of people and others in their problems, I've noticed something. When we have problems, when we face tragedy, we have heartache, we have burdens, we tend to get into a mindset that we may never get out of this problem. Is it ever going to stop? When the pressure's on, we wonder if it's ever going to be released. Have you ever seen one of those pressure cooker things? Uh, some of you all use them for coal packing or whatever. You got that little thing and and when it time's up, you lift it and take it off the heat and all the steam starts blowing. And why you got to do that stuff when it's 100 degrees out, I don't know. Here's the problem. We focus on the pressure and not the release of the pressure. When we're in a, a tough time, we get into this mindset that I just got to focus on the problem and God wants us to focus on the way out. God tells us here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 8 and 9, these are some of the sweetest verses in all the scripture. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Uh, did you know that you could have trouble but not be distressed? The word distressed means panicked. You don't have to panic. Uh, God says that we can be perplexed. That means confused. That means the way most of you live life. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, but you don't have to be in despair. The word despair means hopeless, having no hope. God says we can be persecuted, but not forsaken. Can I tell you something? The problem you're facing, you're not the only one going through a problem. And in many cases, people are going through worse problems than you are. You're just so focused on yours, you don't see it. God says we can be cast down, but not destroyed. May I say this? God wants us to see that we don't need to faint or quit or lose hope or roll over and die, no matter how hard the problem is that you face. In my shy, timid, little way, I get a little sick and tired of Christians who are so such, such sissies that when a problem comes, I just want to give up and I want to quit. Everybody doing all right? May I say something on behalf of God? You don't need to give up because there's a problem. You don't need to give up just because there's a problem. God does not want us to be weak. He wants us to be strong. Be strong in the Lord. Well, I hate to tell you something, but strength doesn't come by sitting there doing nothing. I use this illustration often. You can get a membership at the gym. 
stop at McDonald's and get three hamburgers and two french fries and a large shake, go to the gym, sit down on the couch and watch everybody work out while you eat and walk out and say, I went to the gym, but you're no stronger. Until you put yourself through the resistance and the opposition and the exercise that goes with that, you will never get stronger. So why is it in life that when I say a bunch of weaklings that want to run and cry instead of face the opposition. So, well, preacher, you're just different than me. No, I'm not. I'm made out of the same flesh you're made out of. But I've learned enough in life, I don't run when the problems come. I run to it, not away from it. I worked in a machine shop that we made fire hose nozzles. Almost everybody in the shop were firemen. Firemen are a different breed. And they're just a little, my uncle would say, they got off the bus stop early. Amen. Uh, <laughs> they're just a little. And one day they came back in after a fire call. And my boss, the man that owned the company, Stuart McMillan, he's been here. Stuart's six foot nine, six foot ten, weighed about 360, 370. I mean, great big giant of a guy. One day I said, Stuart, you firemen are a different mentality. He said, oh, I know we are. I said, but I can't quite put my finger on it. He said, I can. I can do it in one statement. He said, when we get to a fire, everybody's running out. We run in. I said, got it. Normal people don't run into a fire. You run out of. They run into it. And that's what God's talking about here. It takes a little bit of that grit and that, that strength, and you don't get it just because he hands it to you and says, you're sitting on the couch at the gym, you're strong. No, you have to go through the problems and the burdens and the heartaches to get the strength to face the new ones coming down the road. You can say what you want, but life is filled with problems. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. God doesn't plan every event in your life. The world is not running according to God's plan. That got messed up in the Garden of Eden when man obeyed the devil instead of God. Well, God must have wanted me to go through this. That's Catholic. That's not right. No wonder people are bitter at God and blame God for all their problems. When Miss Kim got hit by a drunk driver, I don't think it was the plan of God for her to get hit by a drunk driver. She got hit by a drunk driver because of sin. Not because God wanted her hit. Everybody doing all right? Uh, God says that he'll help us through those things. Now, I want to help you tonight. I want you to make it. I want you to be strong, but not stiff-necked. There's a difference in being strong and being rebellious. Uh, I want you to realize that though you may have problems, or you will have problems, they don't last forever. I want you to notice something. Look at verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporal or temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. 
Can I tell you what happens? We face a problem. We face a struggle. We face opposition. We face heartache. And all we do is we get self-centered. We get selfish. We get eagle-eyed. We look only at that laser spot. And that's all we see. And we don't think we're ever going to get out of it. And God said, that's temporary. Why don't you look at eternity? It lasts forever. So let me help you tonight. I want to show you how to make it through your problems. Point number one, difficulties come to everybody. They don't have to overwhelm or overtake you. (laughs) Everybody look at me for a second. I love you. But just because you have a problem doesn't mean you're the only person in the world with a problem. You're not. Neither am I. Just because you have a heartache doesn't mean you're the only person in the world with a heartache. My heart aches for Ellen right now. My heart hurts for Wiley and Moe. My heart hurts for Miss Kim. But can I tell you something? Uh, Why don't you look up on the uh, Browns website and find out how many other funerals have been going on. Then go to Rosedale and look. Look at all the people who have died in this area while you thought you were the only one with a heartache. Guess what? You're not the only one. Now, I understand it hurts. I understand how badly it hurts. Three years ago, my son-in-law's mother passed away. Brother Fred had just passed away. I did 27 funerals that calendar year. Then in December, my Uncle Raymond passed away. About a week or so, within a week or so, my mama went to heaven. I was sitting in my office on a Wednesday morning. I called and we had decided to take mom off the uh, the breathing machine, and she went to heaven at 9.20. 10 o'clock, I had an appointment to plan a funeral for Friday with a family. And from 10 to 11, I helped another family plan their loved one's funeral. I told my secretary I need to go be with my dad and my brother and my family and help with getting mom's arrangements made. By the time I left the church and got home, Mrs. Diener's husband had passed away and she called me. And I sat outside of my house talking to Jean and trying to help her. I haven't seen my family yet. I hadn't put my arms around my daddy yet. But there was a lot of other hurting people out there. Finally helped her a little bit and then grabbed my wife and we went over to dad's and started working on mom's arrangements. I preached a funeral on Friday. I preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday and uh, Sunday night. Preached mom's funeral on Monday and preached Mr. Diener's funeral on Tuesday in church Wednesday night and kept going. It's a preacher. How in the world do you do that? Because I've been doing this a long time and God has showed me how to get strength. Oh, I didn't say my heart didn't hurt. 
Believe me, it did. But you had needs too. Wasn't time for me to quit living and suck my thumb and cry for a while while you had needs. It was time for me to keep going and help those who had other problems as well. It wasn't going to help that family whose loved one had passed that I had to preach on Friday or Mrs. Diener's family that needed us on Tuesday because my mom passed away. It's not fair for others to put their hurt on on hold while I hurt. No, I put mine on hold to help you. That's what God's talking about. Difficulties come to everybody, but they don't have to overwhelm you. You cannot prevent all problems. Now, some of you are very good at not preventing any problems. (laughs) Did you know life doesn't have to be an emergency? Problems that do come don't need to overwhelm you. (laughs) Most problems are not a judgment of God. They're a result of us all being sinners. Quit wondering why it came. Just accept that it did. Everybody doing okay? And by the way, before you start looking at somebody else's life and say, well, I know why they got that problem. God's judging them. Uh, just remember, when you point your finger, you got three pointing right back at you. You're not God. Quit playing God. Decide before the problems come that you're not going to give up when the problems do come. Folks, I've already decided no matter what comes our way, I ain't quitting. Not good grammar, but it's good preaching. I decided a long time ago uh, when we had to fight Jefferson County on getting this building up, I wasn't giving up. (laughs) Uh, No, it wasn't the commissioners. (laughs) But (laughs) it was probably the stupid commissioner's stupid husband. (laughs) Ouch. Yep. You ready to go? Don't battle a guy with a microphone. I promise you, you'll lose every time. Wait a minute. Decide before the problem comes. You say, well, I don't know what problem's coming. Decide before it gets there that you're not giving up. I remember when, uh, as I was preparing for this, uh, Josh was four months old. So you're talking 30, it'd be 32. So that was 31 years ago. Shut up. 31 years ago in January, uh, he, he would have gone into the hospital. He had pneumonia, bronchiolitis, asthma, and RSV all at one time. They called us and said, he stopped breathing. We're trying to keep him alive till he get here. Hurry up. We were in Southern California. We were 2,000 miles from anybody that we knew. We had a police escort driving as fast as we could down the 710 freeway, getting off on Long Beach Boulevard and heading uh, into town. They had the intersections blocked off so that we could race through town just to get to the hospital. I remember they met us at the car and they literally pulled my wife and I out of the car and grabbed us and we're running into an elevator and my wife is claustrophobic. There's 11 people in an elevator made for four. And we're signing papers. I have no idea what I'm signing, but they said, sign this, sign this, sign this, sign this. Got to the third floor. The doors opened up. Everybody ran out, went down the hallway this way, and there we stood. 
One nurse turned around and said, that room right there is yours. We'll be back when we can. Turned around and she took off. Twenty-four, twenty-five-year-old kids. I remember getting on my knees with my wife in a dark, lonely waiting room in a hospital. We began to pray. This is what I said. God, he was yours before he was ours. If you want him that bad, you can have him. But you're going to have to give us grace. Because I don't know what to do. For the next three weeks, he laid on a ventilator, every breath taken by a machine. Oh, by the way, seven doctors and nurses led to Christ over his body in three weeks. And a couple Catholic nurses that were not happy with me. (laughs) Sister Fatbottom moved every time I walked through that hallway. You say, preacher, did you ever think that you would quit? No. I didn't. Matter of fact, I called my pastor about one o'clock that morning and he said, well, it sounds like you got everything under control. I guess you don't have to be at the office in the morning. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I walked back across the hall to my wife and she said, is he coming? I said, no, he's got something else to do. I couldn't tell her. But I made a vow to God that night. As my son lay between life and death, I made a vow that people wouldn't hurt by themselves if I could get there. I mean that. And for the last 31, almost 32 years, when you've had a heartache, I've tried to be there. Say, did you give up, preacher? No, maybe stronger. It's been what I've been able to do to help you get through those hard times. I've sat with people as they've gone to heaven by the hundreds. Hundreds. So when it came time for my mama to go to heaven, I was strong enough to take it. Oh, it didn't make it feel any better. But I knew I was going to get through it. Remember, problems don't come because God hates you or that you're a bad person. Problems come to all of us because we're all sinners. And it's the result of sin. By the way, quit judging God based on your problem. I don't think that's fair, preacher. And sometimes I don't think it's fair either. But I don't blame God for it. I've had to reach into the arms of several ladies and take a dead baby from their arms and hand it to a nurse. One lady lost two babies under the age of two. I took the second one out of our arms at the University of Chicago Hospital and gave it to the nurse. And we showed up a couple days later to the calling hours for the funeral and walked through the door. She said, well, Brother Bush, God must love my babies because he's got two of them now with such a sweet spirit. I'll be honest with you, I don't think I could have taken it like that. But she did. I remember walking into a hospital one day. A couple had been only married just weeks. There was a car accident. 
They called me to the hospital. The wife was called to the hospital. We're sitting in the waiting room, and the doctor came out and motioned for me, and he said, are you family member? I said, no, I'm assistant pastor, and he said, good. He said, you're going to have to tell her her husband just died on the table. I said, why is that my job? He said, because I can't tell her, and turned around and walked away. I thought, you jerk. I had to walk over and tell a young 21-year-old girl that her brand-new husband was gone. Well, I could tell stories for hours like that. Hours. You're not the only one going through a problem. Difficulties are going to come, but you're going to get through it. You don't have to let it overwhelm you. Number two. Oh, my soul, I'm about to shout. There's abundant grace available no matter how bad it appears. God says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for thee. God has more grace than you have problem. He is the God of all grace. You've heard me say this many a times as your pastor. Needing grace really stinks. But when you get it, it sure is sweet. I never like being in a position where I need grace, Brother Randy. But I'm sure thankful when it comes. I was preparing this. Wrote one statement and then God brought a song to my mind. Grace does not keep you from problems, but it helps you get through the problems. Grace is not going to keep problems from coming, but it will get you through the problems. I, I honestly did not know the songs that we would sing tonight. But as I was preparing this, I thought of Brother Roloff. And I could hear that squeaky old voice of his. When sin stricken, burdened, and weary from bondage, I'd long to be free. There came to my heart this sweet message, my grace is sufficient for thee. Well, my grace is sufficient for thee. Yes, my grace is sufficient for thee in shady green pastures or on that rough sea my grace is sufficient for thee I remember I see Loretta back here my friend Jimbo about to go to heaven. I remember driving to her house and the whole way I was saying, God, I don't know what to say. Because no matter what I say, it isn't going to help. I can just be there. I remember we were gathered there and I mean this in a loving way, but Jimbo was a rough, hard redneck tough to the very last moments I remember saying brother Jimbo it's okay it's okay just 
just let God take care of it. You're all right. I remember we were, we were at the moment of death and he quit breathing. Several of the family members began to cry, of course. We, we all did. That little booger a minute later goes, <gasps> Loretta says, are you done yet? <laughs> That's exactly what you said, isn't it? He did that twice. <laughs> By the third, you know, after the second time he did it, okay, we're going to wait one more time. He went out his way. But God's grace kicked in. Oh, preacher, that's horrible. No, that was God's grace kicking in. He's going out on his terms, let me tell you. Wait a minute. I don't care how bad it is, there's grace sufficient. Preacher, I just don't, you don't have to understand, you just have to trust God's grace is sufficient. You don't get God's grace before you need it, but when you need it, it sure is there. You don't get it a second sooner than you need it. But I can promise you this, when you need it, it's going to be there. It's going to be there. Number three, we must renew our spirit day by day in order not to faint. Look at verse 15 for a second. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through thanksgiving of many redound unto the glory of God. Abundant grace. Now watch this. Look at verse 16. For the which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Everybody look at me for a moment. We eat food to stay strong. We need, our, you, you can't go forever with no food. Some of you can't go three hours with no food. But uh, we, we eat to be strong. Uh, some of us, if you are what you eat, most of you are junk food. Uh, but uh, we, we eat to stay strong. Can I tell you something? You also have to eat spiritually to be strong. There's a difference between body, soul, and spirit. Your soul is your emotions, your, your, your mind. It is the ability to communicate with other people. Your spirit is that which allows you to communicate with God. But your emotions also need food. We're not to live by our emotions, but we have them. Emotions are not supposed to be the meal, they're the spice on the food. Too many of you are trying to live on spice. And you wonder why you have heartburn all the time. But you renew your soul by renewing your spirit. That's why the lost world, they, they have a dead spirit. Their body and soul. Just like an animal has a body and a soul. My dog, Ginger, has a body and a soul. She's a chick with an attitude. Uh, she has her own temperament. 
but she has no soul. When your dog dies, your cat dies, your bird dies, your horse dies, your uh, cow dies, it does not go to heaven. All cats go to hell. But uh, but <laughs> just thought I'd throw that in there. But uh, <laughs> did pretty good on that, didn't I, failures? Now wait a second. Uh, animals have no spirit. Only spirit lives forever. That's why it, when we get saved, we get saved, it is our spirit that is born again. God said that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Two cap, One capital, one small. And that's why Jesus said you must be born again. Why do we need born again? Because our spirit is dead and it needs broke back to life. That's why the lost world lives worse than a bunch of animals. You wonder why you got the alphabet soup crowd and the, the, the filth and the vileness of our world? They're, they're dumber than a bunch of animals because there's nothing worse than a human being who has the ability to have a spirit but is being led by his body and his soul. Worse than a bunch of barnyard animals. God gave us the ability to have dominion over them and we live, many of the lost people live worse than animals. So how do we renew our spirit, the inward man, day by day? Well, right there's your food. The word of God. Man cannot live by bread alone. Matthew chapter 4. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You say, preacher... Are you gonna? Yes, I'm gonna. That's why what Bible we use is important. Use the wrong Bible, then you're not getting the living word, you're getting man's word. These are not the words of man, these are the words of God. God spoke them, God gave them to us word by word. God didn't put the thoughts into man's head, he gave us the words. And when man starts messing with God's words, man says, he knows more than God. Religion is man telling God how God has to accept man. Christianity is thus saith the Lord and obey it. It's that simple. But if you don't have a final authority, by the way, there has to be in every word of God somewhere or man cannot live. We don't need modern translations. We don't need to rewrite it. We just need to go back and reread the old one. So we ought to read our Bible daily. I would suggest not starting in Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel, a little harder books to digest, but start in Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, start in the New Testament. Uh, learn to enjoy some of the things of God before you get into some of the other stuff. I didn't say how long you have to read it, but I think you ought to read it every day. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I know I'm preaching to the Sunday night crowd, but I think we ought to be in church every chance we get. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school, special meetings. Say what? This is where we gather and learn it and get the dust knocked off. Uh, we get the rust kicked a little bit. Kick the tires and pump them back up. Uh, we, we need it. I think we ought to memorize the Bible. I love in our Christian school, the kids are memorizing a lot of verses. They'll memorize a couple hundred verses every year in our school. Hundreds. Can I tell you something? 
about uh, oh, four or five years ago, I did something. I, I don't have a Bible memory program, but I read the Bible a lot. I've been in the Bible. I've been preaching 43 years. I thought, I wonder how many verses I could quote. And I started going through the Bible, and it, it took me several weeks, and honestly, it took a couple months. But when I got done, I realized I had over 3,000 verses of the Bible I had memorized. I didn't set out to memorize that many, but I've been so familiar with it, I can sit there. You start the book of Proverbs reading, I can just about quote the whole book of Proverbs with you. I used to read, I started off reading the book of Proverbs every month. There's 31 chapters of Proverbs, usually 30 to 31 days in a month. Today's September 3rd. If you, you could read Proverbs 3 today, Proverbs 4 tomorrow, Proverbs 5 the next day, and read it with the corresponding day. Read through the book of Proverbs every month. Then I found out you can read through the book of Proverbs every week. If you just read uh, four chapters a day or uh Four, five chapters a day, and then on the sixth, uh, seventh day, uh, something like that. Then I was reading through it. I mean, I probably have read through the book of Proverbs a thousand times. Well, you read something that much, it's got to stick somewhere. So, well, preacher, I read it sometimes and don't understand it. Yeah, but you got a cleaner basket because you read it. You don't have to understand it all. It may say something. I've read it through. I averaged three or four times a year reading through my Bible, and there's still parts of it every time I read it to get something else because it's the living word of God. Yeah. Memorize it. Read it. Don't miss church. Think about the Bible. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Quit listening to the news. Start reading the Bible. We know there's nothing true in the news. There's nothing good in the news. There's nothing just in the news. So why do we... No wonder people are so freaked out all the time. Uh, everybody doing all right? Man, I'm having fun. I got a, got a coon in the tree. I'm staying here a little while, amen? Maybe if we'd learn to live the Bible and obey it, not just learn it and to know it. I'm going to make a statement here. God's not impressed with how much you know. He's impressed with how much you live. Book of James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. The average church in America today is nothing but a schoolroom. People are filling their notebooks and filling the margins of their Bibles with knowledge that they take out and never use again. That makes God want to vomit. We think we're spiritual because we know some facts. No, you're spiritual when you start doing spiritual things. You are not a good person because you don't do bad things. You're only a good person when you do good things. The absence of bad does not make one good. The presence of good makes one good. Just because you're not living like the alphabet soup crowd does not mean you're good. I say this all the time. That's like comparing one pile of dirt to another pile of dirt. <laughs> well, you're a pile of dirt. So am I. We're made from the dirt. So, well, my dirt's cleaner than your dirt. Yeah, but your dirt's still dirt. Miss Kim's dirt's darker than my dirt. But guess what? It's still dirt. Doesn't matter if you got dark dirt, light dirt, brown dirt, black dirt, white dirt. It's still dirt. 
Why are we comparing ourselves with each other instead of comparing ourselves with the word of God and going out and doing what he says? You need church. You need fellowship with God every day. Talk to him. I got here early this morning, got out of my truck and thanked God for our property and was walking across and saw the modular unit and thanked him for what he did. <laughs> you don't pick those up for $200. My uncle said, where'd you steal that? <laughs> God. <laughs> walked in and started the day and I walked in here and I walked up and down every row and asked God to bless everybody where they sat today and for God to meet needs and went down the hall and into the nursery and prayed for the, the children that would be in the nursery and then went into Brother Anthony's office where the senior citizens were and prayed for all those that would be in that Sunday school class today and went into Mrs. Barnes's room and Brother Scott and Brother Juan's room and Jamie's room and junior church and I went room by room by room asking God to bless what he was going to do today and we wonder why things happen by the time y'all got here i couldn't wait for church to start and i've been here since five this morning or before say why'd you get here so early i couldn't sleep any longer it's time to get up and go I'd already pre i had already texted 50 preachers and prayed for over 50 preachers before 4 30 this morning Asking God to bless their churches and bless their ministries. And I got reports all afternoon of people being saved and uh, baptisms and great attendances and visitors and all over the country. Hey, that's a, I wanted to be an encouragement to somebody. Boy, that's good stuff. But when's the last time you talked to God just as your friend? <laughs> I remember Dr. Russell Anderson man gave over $45 million for the cause of Christ. Probably a whole lot more than that. That's just what I know of. <laughs> Bringing him back from the airport to preach in our church one day. When we were over in the luxurious accommodations of Aiken Center. The miserable upper room, if you remember. It was more like the armpit, not the upper room, but... He said, Brother Bush, he said, uh, who do you get to talk to about the work? I said, God. And he leaned over and he said, isn't it a shame you only have God to talk to? We talked a little farther. He said, did you call so-and-so? I said, no. He said, who did you talk to? I said, God. He said, isn't it a shame you only have God to talk to? And I looked at him and he just started grinning. He said, too many people want to talk to other people who don't know anymore. Why don't you just go to the source? Amen. That's good. <laughs> Isn't it amazing what God did? I remember a man calling me and said, look, I'll give you $60,000 if you raise $30,000. I promised y'all I wasn't going to raise money. I was all excited, Brother Jim. I thought, man, God's going to give us 60000 Wait a minute. It's December. And I promised I wasn't going to ask anybody for money. I said, well, God, challenge is on. Ten minutes later, she said, you got a call from somebody. I said, put them on. Man came on the phone. He said, preacher. He said, just a few minutes ago, and he was a couple time zones behind us. 
He said, just got done praying. God put it on my heart. He said, I got a $30,000 check here. Where do I send it? I said, I need to put you on hold for just a second. Well, glory, I started having a spell. I got back on the phone. She didn't know what was going on. Preacher, are you okay? Yeah, hang on. I told him about the phone call I had just gotten 10 minutes before. He said, good, tell your people that you got an opportunity. He said, some of your folks need to learn to pray down some money. Be good for them. So we raised an extra $5,000. No pressure. Called the fellow back in January and said, well, I didn't get 30000 I said, I got thirty-five. He said, all right, I'll give you sixty-five. $100,000. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Man that I worked for in the machine shop in Valparaiso, Indiana, called me. Craig, I hear you're building a church building. Yes, sir. He said, what do you need? I said, I won't tell you. Billionaire. Same company produces in factories on five continents in our, in our world. He said, just tell me what you need. I said, I won't tell you. I said, I tell God. If God wants you to do something, he's going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. He said, but Craig, I could write a check for anything you need. I said, that's exactly why I'm not going to tell you. God's going to have to tell you. <laughs> He's the one that called and said, I'll give you 60000 Oh, a year later, about February, he said, Craig, Catherine, and I got some crumbs left in the Christmas cookie jar. He said, can you get, have your secretary give me your banking information? I'll wire the money to you. Well, people don't wire hundreds. And I needed $10,000 so bad for us to go forward. It wasn't even funny. I said, God, I don't know what you got in store, but it's got to have at least 10 in it because I can't go any farther. About three or four days later, he emailed me early one morning and said, it's at the bank. Go to the bank today. Say, you didn't ask him how much? You don't ask somebody when they're giving. You just wait till it gets there. I went over to the bank. Told the lady, I said, look, there's somebody supposed to wire money. This is his name. This is where it's from. She said, yeah, it's right here. I said, can you tell me how much it is? She said, you don't know. I said, no. She said, you didn't ask. I said, don't ask when somebody's given something. I was taught not to be greedy. She looked at it. She said, it's $100,000. I said, can you look at that again? She said, why? I said, just look at that again. I said, read that again. She said, yeah, it's $100,000. And I'm, I'm literally leaning on the chair. She said, Pastor, are you all right? I said, have you ever been given $100,000? She said, no. I said, that's how I feel. <sighs> I only asked for 10. God said, I'll give you tenfold. And by the way, we needed it. But I wasn't going to get ahead of God. Did you have problems? Did you face problems? Oh, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I didn't pay paycheck, make sure she did, made sure the bills were paid, but God provided. Isn't it a shame we only have God? Uh, you need to do the exercise as well. Not just eat takes exercise. Say, what's exercising? Telling somebody else about Jesus. Getting the gospel out. <laughs> Y'all are the trackingest people I've ever seen in my life. We just had somebody come today, again, 
five, this is the fifth family that has come to church because of somebody leaving tracks at the gas station. <laughs> Kathy's here started this, and y'all, I mean, every gas station in two counties is getting hit. In the last three months, we've had five families come to church and two families join the church over tracks at gas stations. That doesn't happen anymore, but it's happening here. Say, what is that exercising? means you've got to get off your blessed assurance and go do something. Tell somebody about him. Talk about how good God is. By the way, uh, once you start getting concerned about somebody else's needs, it's amazing how when you go back to pick up your burden, how light it seems. Sometimes the ability to pick up your burden comes by helping somebody in their burden. There's a lot of people out there to help. Our church is a hospital, not a museum. Hospitals don't shut down because there's so many sick people. We're tired of dealing with sick people. We're just not going to help anybody. I'm tired of sick people. Oh, no. Bring them in. Bring them in. Isn't that what church is all about? Uh, (laughs) Your problem's not going to last forever. Can I tell you something? You say, well, preacher, I've got a disease and I'm going to go to my grave with it. Yeah, but God says we pass from death to life, not life to death. When, we, my, when my mama took her last breath on December 16th, three years ago, she didn't die. She started living. She started living. Brother Roy, when your daddy took his last breath, he didn't die. He started really living. Miss Loretta, after the third time Jimbo took his last breath, <laughs> he started really living. The day before Jimbo died, I walked in. I said, Brother Jimbo, how you doing? I'm fine, preacher. How are you? But man, you're, you're dying. You're not fine. Oh, yeah, I'm fine, preacher. I said, Brother Jimbo, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Scott, I asked your mama the same thing. I said, when you get to heaven, would you give my mama a hug for me? Would you walk up to Jesus and tell him I love him? To keep his hand a blessing on our church. Brother Jimbo said, I'll do it. He said, anything else, preacher? I said, yeah. I said, pick me out a good hunting spot. (laughs) Big old grin come on that hard redneck. He said, I'll do it, preacher. I'll find you the best place. Oh, can I tell you something? There's a whole lot of blessing and heartache. If we just look for it. Our problems aren't going to last forever. Let's quit focusing on the problem and focus on the solutions. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. I'm going to read a couple verses to you. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. (coughs) Let's focus on... What we can't see, not what we can't see. The eternal and not the temporary.